Blog Talk Radio. For the next two hours, we'll, we will be talking sports and having fun. Listen, I want all your ideas, all your opinions, and all your beliefs. And, of course, as always, you will get a heavy dose of my opinion. If you have an opinion, the number to call, 646-727-3070. That's 646-727-3070. You can listen to the show at blogtalkradio.com slash pgant. That's blogtalkradio.com slash pgant. You can send messages to the show on Twitter, at GoForItGain. And while you're there on Twitter, give me a follow, at GoForItGain. Also, the chat room is live and it's open. You can chime on in in the chat room at blogtalkradio.com slash pgain. You got some opinions. You got some, some ideas. You got some beliefs. Put it on the chat room. We'll chat there. We'll talk here. And we'll have a good old time. Expected to be joined by our Hall of Famer, Willie Rofe, who will talk all things NFL. Get his take on Mark Sanchez and the whole situation there with the Jets. The Jets are in trouble when it comes to Mark Sanchez. It's cheaper to keep him, and we'll get into that. But we're also going to talk him about talk to him about Tebow, talk to him about who is the most complete team in football at this point. And we're going to get his take on his, the Broncos, the Denver Broncos, the Denver Broncos, nine games in a row playing big-time football, at the right time and getting it done. Peyton Manning, comeback player of the year, award winner possibly. Him, Adrian Peterson may have something to say about that. But, you know, it's it's going to be interesting to see who wins that award, but we're going to talk to Willie about all those things. We're also going to talk to Broncos corner Chris Harris, and Chris Harris made a big play in the Broncos-Ravens game last weekend. I mean, Ravens up, I mean, excuse me, Broncos up 10 nothing. Ravens threatening, and then Chris Harris makes the play of the game. He makes the play of the game in that particular situation, took it to the house. He took it to the house with a pick six, and that pretty much was the game. That was the game at that point. And the Denver Broncos, big-time football right now, big-time football right now. The Denver Broncos are playing. The Denver Broncos are 12 and 3. Excuse me, 11 and 3. And they're a team right now that is probably going to get the second spot in the AFC. Probably going to get that first round by. It's a good situation for the Denver Broncos. A very good situation. We're going to talk to Chris Harris about that. I want to start now NFL. A lot of big things, a lot of big storylines. This weekend, a lot to talk about, a lot of playoff scenarios to go through. I mean, it's going to be an interesting week in the National Football League. A lot of things still need to be decided. And one of those things that need to be that needs to be decided is the NFC East, and it's a three-game race. Red, I mean, three-team race with the Redskins, Cowboys, and Giants. Both of these teams eight and six. Both of these teams eight and six. And you look at it, the Redskins in that scenario, control their own destiny. They win their final two games, they're in. 
they're in. Cowboys, same deal. They control their own destiny since they played the Redskins the final week of the season. Win the last two games, and they're in. And they're in. And then the Giants, on the other hand, need a little help. They need a little help. And I think the Giants are going to miss out on the playoffs this year. I've said that at the beginning of the year, the Giants were going to miss out on the playoffs. And I believe that will be the case this time around. I believe the Giants will miss out on the playoffs. I think the Giants are going to miss out. I think they will miss out. And I don't I don't see any way they're beating the Ravens tomorrow in Baltimore. I know the Ravens haven't been playing the best of football of late, but the Baltimore Ravens is a team that still needs to wrap up their, vision, their division and a team that wants to get right before the playoffs. They've been playing some bad football, and they had a bad loss last week against against the Denver Broncos, a bad loss to the Broncos, were blown out at home. They have not been playing well of late, not at all. Played some bad football, actually, this Baltimore Ravens team. Joe Flacco has not been good over these past few weeks. Has not been good at all. And this team as a whole has not been good. The defense, it's not your father's Ravens defense. It's just not. It's not your father's Ravens defense. That's a defense right now that is struggling. That's a defense that is struggling as well, not playing the way they played in the past. Not playing the way they played in the past. So I look at this uh, Raven team, I think they get it done. I think they get it done against the Giants tomorrow. And I know, everybody, this is the time, the place where the Giants usually pick their game up and get into the playoffs. This is the time and place where the Giants do what they always do this. They always do this. They did it last year. They did it a few years back when they won the Super Bowl. They always do this at this time. They struggle. They look bad. You, you, say they're, you say they're done, and then they find a way to get through and get it done. And I think this time around it won't happen. I, I think it's done now. I think the Giants are done. And I think the Ravens put them away tomorrow. I think the Ravens put them away tomorrow. And they still have, even if they lose tomorrow, they still have a shot to get into the playoffs. They still have a shot to get into the playoffs. Even if they lose tomorrow, they still have a shot to get into the playoffs. But I look at that team, the New York Giants, and you can all, you, you can't keep going to the well every year. You can't keep putting your keep putting yourself in in this in the position where you you have to win out or. You need help or, or so on and so forth. You cannot keep putting yourself in that position year in and year out. The Giants have done that year in and year out. But I think this time it's going to be a little different. This time I don't think they'll be able to get out of it this time. I, I think the Ravens beat them tomorrow. And I said it before, I'll say it again. I said it a few weeks back, the Washington Redskins will win the NFC East. The Washington Redskins will win the NFC East. They will win the NFC East. They will win the NFC East. And I look at the Chicago Bears, and we, we, we I want to switch to the wild card, looking at the Chicago Bears. That's a team that a lot of people have written off. That's a mistake because let's go through their final two games. Their final two games are against Arizona tomorrow and against the Detroit Lions 
the following week. Both of those games on the road, but both of those games very, very winnable for the Chicago Bears. It's there for the taking for the Bears in terms of getting to the playoffs. I think when it's all said and done, they get the sixth spot in the NFC. I think they get the sixth spot. I think Seattle gets the fifth spot. And I think the Washington Redskins gets the four. And they get the, they get the fourth spot, the Redskins, because they will win the NFC East. The Packers get the three. Niners, two. And number one seed will be the Atlanta Falcons. That's the way I see the NFC East playing. I know there's a bunch of different scenarios and there's a bunch of different things that could happen, that may happen, that, that there's a whole bunch of possibilities out there. But at the end of the day, the way I see it get happening, the way I see it getting settled is that when it's all said and done, when it's all said and done, in the NFC, Bears get the sixth spot, Seattle gets the fifth spot, Four skins, three Packers, two 49ers, and one the Atlanta Falcons. That's the way it will play out in the AFC, in the NFC, in the AFC now. Colts, they win, they're in. And I, I look at some point for the Colts to get in, obviously. They're not going to lose both of their final two games, so they'll get in. The Colts will get in. They will get in. So I expect the Colts to get in and get that five spot. They go to Kansas City this weekend. That's a game they should win. And that's a game they better win because, uh, well, Houston can wrap it up tomorrow in terms of the number one spot in the AFC. So, uh, you know, they could, they're going to win. Uh, Indianapolis is going to win one of their final two games, whether it's against Houston or whether it's against Kansas City. Houston could be in a situation where they have nothing to play for in Week 17. And Kansas City, as we all know, is a bad football team. And obviously, they have nothing to play for. So, here's how I see the AFC. Steelers have a big football game against the uh, Cincinnati Bengals tomorrow. I expect the Steelers to win that game. I expect the Steelers to win out. I expect the Pittsburgh Steelers to win out and get the sixth spot in the AFC. That's what I expect the Steelers to do. I expect the Steelers to win out. I expect the Steelers to beat the Cincinnati Bengals tomorrow. And it's a big, going to be a big game. Obviously, it's going to be a big game for the Pittsburgh Steelers, a team that let that game slip away last week, a team that has some turmoil with the situation with Ben, Roethlis, ben Roethlisberger criticizing Todd Haley, his offensive coordinator. But all in all, the Pittsburgh Steelers are a very talented football team. It's in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh will win tomorrow. Pittsburgh will beat Cleveland the final week of the season. They have two home games, Cincy and Cleveland. Those are two games the Steelers should win, and I think the Steelers ultimately will get into the playoffs. And the AFC, when it's all said and done, Houston, it will be Houston number one spot, Denver two, New England will get three, the Ravens will slide in at four, the Colts at five, and the Pittsburgh Steelers at six. And as I said before, if the playoffs, the way I got the playoffs working out, it's going to be some intriguing matchups in that wild card round because you could have New England playing Pittsburgh, and then you could have Baltimore playing Indianapolis. The old Colts going back to Baltimore to play the Ravens in the playoffs. Add some intrigue. 
I don't know how much intrigue, but it's it's good matchups if it works out the way. I think it will work out, but we shall see. Let's bring in a guy now, Hall of Famer, one of the best who ever done it, the great Willie Rove. Willie, how are you, sir? I'm good. Uh, I don't I don't know if Pittsburgh wins tomorrow. In Pittsburgh? In, 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 well, Cincinnati's got a real good front four. Uh, it's gonna come down to if Pittsburgh can. Uh, you know, if they can pick Big Ben, you know, and and, uh, and run the ball. But Cincinnati's got a potent offense. It's gonna be, I'm not saying the Cincinnati is not going to be a tough game. You know, in some games they do a good job protecting Big Ben, and some games they don't. So, uh, you know, it's going to depend on how good the offensive line does for uh, for Pittsburgh, whether they win this game or not. And, uh, you know, Mike Wallace and the, and the receivers are going to have to have a big game. Big game. But they got to protect uh, Big Big B because uh, Cincinnati can get after you. And, and they can. But I saw this, uh, the, the Bengals a few weeks back against the Philadelphia Eagles, the lowly Eagles. But the Eagles were able to get a lot of pressure on Andy Dalton. And I, I think the Steelers can do the same to Andy Dalton tomorrow. And plus, the Steelers, there's some turmoil. Again, you had Ben Roethlisberger criticizing Todd Haley. You got a team, the Steelers, coming off a tough loss against the Dallas Cowboys. I think all those things come together for the Steelers to win tomorrow. But we'll see. I mean, it's going to be a big football game. Cincinnati is definitely not going to lay down. They have some talent on that roster. And like you, to your point, they get a lot of sacks. They get after the quarterback. And also, to your point, they have some weapons on the offensive side of football. So, we shall see how that works out. But, Willie, I want to start with the New York Jets. I want to start with Mark Sanchez and uh, his awful performance. Four picks in the game Monday night. That's a total of 50 turnovers in the last two seasons, the worst in the NFL for a player. I look at that game and I'm saying to myself, Tebow couldn't, Tim Tebow could do a little better than that, couldn't he? I mean, were you saying, or were you saying in your head, were you yelling it out? They should put Tebow in that game. I mean, I would have thought they'd put Tebow in a long time ago. Sanchez has been struggling for a while. I mean, you saw what Tebow did last year when he got the opportunity to play. I know it's not conventional, but if you let Tebow, Tebow game plan you, let him practice, let him prepare. Tebow had some outstanding performances late in games and was able to, to win some games, and he didn't turn the ball off, off uh, over a lot. But he's, Tebow's one of those guys that you got to let play. You know, you can't just put him on the bench and put him in and out the game. you got to let him play. you got to let him figure it out. I mean, he he's not, like I said, he's not the most conventional player, but what I did notice about Tebow last year, he's a hell of a competitor, and when he was with the Broncos last year, he figured out ways to win ball games. So at that point in the season, when you turn the ball over like this, you're not going to win anyway. So I don't know why he hadn't got an opportunity to play. I would have thought he would have had an opportunity to play by now a lot earlier in this football season. But, you know, to, you know, Rex Ryan and, and, and them guaranteed Sanchez all that money, and I guess they're trying to keep him his head in it because it's going to be very difficult to trade him. And if you got to pay him $10 million or whatever plus, you can look that up, Paul. Uh, you know, he's going to end up playing some. The, the reality is they're stuck with Mark Sanchez. It's one of those deals where it's cheaper to keep him. Um, he's guaranteed $8 million next year, $8.25 million. He's guaranteed that next year. If they trade him, I don't think anybody wants that. I don't know any GM that's crazy. I mean, crazier things have happened, and anybody can be traded. We've seen over the years, but 
it's going to be tough to trade Mark Sanchez coming off the year that he's had. And, and let's look at this whole thing, Willie. I mean, obviously the Jets may not have a choice but to bring this guy back, but the reality is it's going to be a tough sell to the players in the locker room, a tough sell to the fans. If you release them, it's a big cap hit. If you trade them, it, there, there could be a cap hit as well. And, again, he's scheduled to make $8.25 million next season. This is a team that is scheduled to be $20 million over the cap in 2013. What do you do with Mark Sanchez? Are you, do you have to keep him? You got to keep him. You can't cut him. I mean, you got to keep him as a backup. You got to keep him in the role to play. I mean, you got to keep him. There's nothing you can do about that. And, um, I mean, listen, they just gave him every opportunity. They drafted him in the first round. They gave him every opportunity to develop. I mean, uh, you know, if I'm if I'm scouts looking at these USC quarterbacks, I don't know how I'm drafting a Mark this the other kid this year. I mean, I want to see him do well. He should have came out last year, and and they struggled this year. But but but, but watching this, I mean, look at Carson Palmer and him and and these, and these other SC quarterbacks. I, I don't I don't know how how I'm drafting a, a quarterback coming out of uh, USC at this point. But uh, the kid Bradley, you know, like I said, he should have come out last year, the top five pick, and I don't know where he slides to this year. It should, yeah, it should be very interesting what happens with that. But uh, it's almost like the SC quarterbacks are turning into the Duke basketball players. And there was a time there when the Duke basketball players were not doing well in the NBA. And it's interesting. I mean, Liner, you know, in his situation, obviously. Now, Palmer has success early. Palmer was a, good, was a decent quarterback in uh, Cincinnati, but he, good, he was very good, you know, when those years they were make, making it to the playoffs. But when it went bad for Palmer, it went bad. Right, and and it hasn't really gotten better for Carson Palmer in Oakland. It, I mean, the Jets are in a tough situation. And when they did the extension at the time, a lot of people questioned it. And when they did the extension, they did get some cap savings uh, this season. And I guess that helped them on some level. But well, they, you know, the way he performed, looking, looking on it, I, I thought they might have just signed him to a one-year deal instead of giving him two. You know, I, I know they had to bring him back. You know, he's your franchise quarterback. You know, you don't you don't want to see a guy like that leave their team and have a lot of success going somewhere else. But I thought they, the way he played over the last couple of years, he probably deserved a one year deal, not a two year deal. And the thing is, no matter if they cut him, it's going to hurt him. If they cut him uh, as a June first cut, over the cap charge over two seasons, twelve million dollars in twenty thirteen, four million. In 2014, so he, he's essentially uncuttable. Nobody's going to trade for him with that contract. No one's going to pay him that kind of money. They're, they're basically stuck with him in a, in a lot of ways, and hopefully they can rebuild him. But the thing about the Jets is so interesting that you know that there was talk they gave him the extension also to rebuild his confidence. But then they turn around and bring in Tim Tebow, and I want to go to Tim Tebow now. You look at Tim Tebow, I mean. This was essentially a wasted season for him. I mean, the Jets wasted a roster spot on this guy. And, 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 and if I'm not mistaken, Paul, didn't they pay him $5 million this year? I believe they did pay him about $5 million this year. I, didn't I, didn't really that. I don't understand that. I mean, so basically you're paying those quarterbacks, what, eight, thirteen million. I don't know what, what Sanchez made this year, but I know it was $7, 8000000 million. I mean, you're paying, those, you're paying the guy $5 million, don't even let him play? It, it was... It's obvious. It was just, it was just a curious decision. I mean, the reality is, he didn't 
use him. You didn't use him at all. You didn't use this guy at all, at all. And I, it was it was like you used him on punt coverage. Uh, you, you put him in also for the Wildcat, but it, it I think at this point it, it we all like figured he, out the Wildcat. It's, it, it, the like league he, has figured it out. And it wasn't like he was in your division where you played him so he wouldn't beat you. You know what I mean? It was like, what did you play him for? It, it doesn't. It doesn't really make much sense so when you look at it the way the Jets used him. It was just. It, it didn't make sense. You know what I think, Paul? I think they just thought they were going to use him, and when they saw what he did in practice all year, maybe they decided not to. So I think this is a deal. Like I said, I don't think T-Roy is the most conventional player as far as watching him in practice and that type of thing. Some guys are great practice players that I played with over the years and didn't perform on Sunday, but they were just great practice players. Some guys are not conventional, and they're gamers. And I say T-Roy is a gamer, and I don't think he's the best practice player that they're going to be. But you have to give him the opportunity to try to play. But if you're going to sit there and judge him on what he did at training camp, and what he does in practice, then you're probably going to be thinking to yourself, I can't put this guy in the game. But if you watch what he did in college and watch what he did last year with Denver, he knows how to win. Now, I will say, granted, in Denver, he had better talent around him and, and, right. and on the offensive side of the ball, and he had a running game. You have to have a running game when you have T-ball, you know, and not just run that wildcat stuff, but he needs a running game, a, a solid running game to help him to do his play action and do what he has to do. And I don't think the, the, the Jets thought they could do that. Maybe they didn't think they could do what they needed to do to make him be successful like he was in Denver. But you can't judge him on what he does with practice because I don't think he's the best practice player. And we're talking about practice. You're talking about practice. Practice? We're talking about practice. I mean, and to your point about the salary, Tim Tebow did make $1.1 million this season for the New York Jets. But, I mean, again, a wasted roster spot, the way they utilized them. No, he got, he got a bonus then. No, he got a bonus then, Paul. That's not right. I know if he made 1.1, he got some type of bonus. I know he got a bonus with the uh, with the uh, with the um, Broncos in 2011. He got okay, a, a bonus with the Broncos if, in 2011. If they only wanted their pocket 1.1 million, then they would. Well, then that's not bad. Then. If they, I thought he was making five million a year up there. So if he's only make, if he only made 1.1. And he didn't, get, they didn't have to give him any bonuses when he got to New York Justin. That's not a bad deal. And I mean, all in all, you look at the whole situation with Tim Tebow, it was obviously a misjudgment by the Jets. They didn't utilize this guy the right way. And ultimately, in not utilizing him the right way, it just became a wasted roster spot. And I look at the whole situation, even in that particular game, you didn't even have Greg McElroy activated. And if so, if you felt like McElroy was a better option than Tim Tebow, why don't you just activate the guy? Which was something that really didn't make sense either from the New York Jets' perspective. So it's a lot of stuff that really didn't make sense. And I thought Tebow, with the way the Jets were going, and granted he had more weapons in Denver, but as a whole the Jets were depleted on the offensive side of the ball in terms of weapons. I thought Tebow was a guy that could do more with less than Mark Sanchez. So that's one of the reasons I would have put him in to the game. And plus, to your point, he is a winner. And last I checked, he did win a playoff game a year ago. So he's not a complete, total stiff. So, I, I mean, I thought, that obviously, the Jets messed this whole situation up. And, and they're paying for it right now, as they will miss the playoffs. And there, were, there has been talk that the Jets 
will and do have interest in Michael Vick. And we all know Michael Vick probably will not be back with the Eagles next year. And I don't know how it's going to work out with the whole quarterback situation and their whole cap situation, but how would Michael Vick look with the New York Jets in 2013, Will? Uh, I don't know, man. That's another guy. When you bring Michael Vick, you're going to bring some baggage. Obviously, things didn't go great for him this year, and I know things probably weren't that great in that locker room this year. They were the, the division in the locker room. So, I mean, when you bring Michael Vick, you bring Michael Vick has a big ego. You know, I, I'm, I'm happy for the fact what he did after everything that happened to him. But uh, he hadn't played well either. And he's turned the ball over a lot too. So yes. I think Michael Vick is, is better than, than, than Sanchez. He's an upgrade. But when you bring Michael Vick, you bring a lot of baggage with you also. So, um, I don't – Rex Ryan, he, he, I mean, he just – you know, he, I don't. He, it's hard to micromanage all these egos. You know, and then when you put them all in a locker room, some you got to have some veteran leadership on that team that's going to be able to keep those guys accountable and make sure they're they're performing and acting like pros. So, you know, I, you know, like I said, I think it is an upgrade for Sanchez. I just don't know if I would want to deal with the baggage that comes along with Michael Vick at this point in his career. Okay, I mean, I, I mean, I think it's. I think he is an upgrade over Sanchez, obviously. And but you know you get more than just the football. You know, you got a lot coming with it. I mean, yeah, that's true. But I just think you can get – he's obviously the more talented quarterback than Mark Sanchez. But, I, you know, who I think would be a better fit is Alex Smith. From this standpoint, I know Rex Ryan is all about ground and pound. Alex Smith is a guy who doesn't make a lot of mistakes. Only five interceptions two seasons ago with the 49ers, was playing decent this year with the 49ers. Obviously, obviously, you look at uh, and, 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 Paul, and he's played and, tremendous. And, Go ahead. And, and, Paul, to your point, Vic was, wasn't, wasn't playing as well last year, and then he turned it on the last few games of the season. But this year, I don't know what happened to Vic. He did not he did not look like the same quarterback that played a couple of years ago that came in and was tearing it up. I mean, he just looked like he just regressed. I mean, he took 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 steps forward, then he regressed, you know, ten backwards this year. I don't know what happened to him, but he was not the same quarterback we saw that first got in the Philly and was playing such good football when he first got there. He 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 wasn't playing. He wasn't he wasn't making the right reads. He wasn't getting rid of the ball. He got hit. Maybe it's all the hits he took in Philly because he took a short a lot of hits, but he was not the same quarterback. And I want to go back to your Tebow point about the $5 million. Yes, the $5 million was given to him. It was split between Denver and the New York Jets. So he did get the $5 million. It was split out between those two teams, to your point, in talking about Tim Tebow. But, yes, Michael Vick, I mean, over, he, I mean, the reality is he hasn't played well over the past two seasons for whatever reason. I mean, this year you could say offensive line if you wanted to give him an excuse. But he, too many turnovers. Too many turnovers for Michael Vick, and I just say I would think Alex Smith would be the perfect fit. Obviously, I don't know, financially it may not be doable, but I think he would be the perfect fit for the Jets because he doesn't make a lot of mistakes, and if the Jets can keep their defense going and keep their defense at a high level, having an Alex Smith, a guy who doesn't make a lot of mistakes, would be good for your franchise, and I think it would be the way to go if, if they can do it. But we'll see. Obviously, it's more unlikely they're going to be stuck 
with the great Mark Sanchez. We're talking to Hall of Famer Willie Rofe. And, Willie, this past week in Dallas, you had Josh Brent. Uh, we all know his situation. Had the drunk driving situation where he killed his friend Jerry Brown. And he was on the sidelines this week. Uh, for the Cowboys game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. A lot of people were up in arms about it. I'm one who wasn't up in arms about it. I thought since Josh Brent's, uh, Jerry Brown's mother, excuse mother. me, said that she wanted the organization to support the guy. The organization was supporting him. The wishes of uh, Jerry Brown's mother, and that's the person to me whose wishes matter the most in this situation, I thought he should be allowed on the sidelines. What well, are your thoughts on A lot of people disagree. Uh it wasn't just Jerry Brown's mother. It was his teammates also that were calling him, telling him to come on the sideline. Sideline. Yeah. I, I just, I, I don't think, you know, if he's going to have a chance to be on that team next year, and I mean, we're the starter. I just think that, you know, right now he should just lay low. He shouldn't have been on the sideline for the fact of it just happened, and it's fresh in everybody's mind, and. You know, the team should just get him away from football for the rest of this year and figure out what they're going to do with him. So I, I don't agree with you, Paul. I think I don't, I don't. I think he shouldn't have been on the sideline for the simple fact that it just happened less than two weeks ago. They had a big win in uh, in Cincinnati that week, and uh, they had a big win against Pittsburgh. But I understand why he was there because his teammates and uh, and she wanted him there. But Jerry Jones and the head coach didn't know he was going to be there. But I just think, you know, that, that he didn't need to be there because of because of everything that just happened. It's too fresh. Let's 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 get him away from football for the rest of the year and figure out what we're going to do with him next year. But do you really believe that Jerry Jones and, and the coaching staff didn't know that he was going to be there? Do you really believe well, that? Well, that's what they say. I don't know that's if that's true. That. I don't know. Say, but you know, people say a lot of things sometimes. I don't know. I mean, I just think. Jerry Brown's mother, she's hurting more than anybody. Josh Prince probably hurting just as bad. He killed his best friend, essentially. So you look at it. To me, you're respecting the wishes of Jerry Brown's mother. And I understand, you know, the, the perspective from the fans and, and everybody else who's saying, you know what, this guy killed his best friend, this guy. Uh, you know, this, this is the second time having issues with driving while intoxicated. So this is a guy that's I mean, had some issues with the past. I, mean, that's the crazy so I can thing understand about, that. But. Paul, that's the crazy thing about this. If you know you're intoxicated this day and time, all teams are, 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 will give you a, a, a thing to get a taxi. You don't have to drive. They, they'll get, I understand you don't want to leave your car there, but all teams, you know, if you're at a, and if you're at a public establishment, you know, obviously if you're in, you're in Dallas, you you gotta know some females. Take a girl with you, let her drive, and pay her to pay somebody to drive you, or pick up a girl wherever you at that's not intoxicated and let them drive. But you know, I mean, let tell you know, but do not by any circumstance get behind the wheel of a car when these teams are set it up for these guys to have a service if they need. It makes no sense. And whether I mean whether take a girl or, or another the guy that doesn't drink with you I mean take somebody there who can you know be the designated driver for that particular it doesn't make sense but I mean it, it happens I mean it, it happens and you know unfortunately for this guy it happened for the second time and this time it had tragic consequences but I I just think I understand it and and to be honest with you at this point. 
I believe it's probably best that he does stay away because of the outcry that the public outcry for him being on the sidelines. But I don't have a I didn't have a problem with him being there. I thought you're respecting the wishes of Jerry Brown's mother, and those wishes to me are the most the, the one that matters the most. I mean, that's her son who was killed. That was her son who was killed, and if she says support him, I think the Cowboys should support him. And maybe if he is going to come to a game, maybe he'll sit in the press box or sit in a yeah. place where, you know, he can't be. Well, yeah, 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 I mean, that, that, yeah, exactly. He could have been in the press box, but he didn't need to be on the sideline. But I, I, I understand what happened. His mother wanted him there, the, the other kid's mother. And, 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 and his teammates were calling him and wanted him there. So I can right. understand that. But maybe put him in the press box or somewhere like that. But right now, for what happened and what and, and then what happened in Kansas City, I think it was best for the team like they did to make him inactive, figure out what they're going to do with him. And if you don't have him on the sidelines and you do bring him back to training camp next year, maybe it's not fresh in everybody's mind because the season's almost over and you can bring him back to camp next year and maybe, you know, it, it dies down So. But the fact that they put him on the sideline is going to add fuel to the fire if he comes back to training camp next year with the Dallas Cowboys. So you want to get you want to get as far away from that situation as you can and, and figure out what you're going to do as far as the management is going to do with him in the offseason. And then you make a decision what you're going to do with him as far as uh, do we bring him back to training camp or not or do we let him go somewhere else. Because he's still a young kid and, and he's got some potential to be a very good football player. So, you know, like you said, I don't know what they're going to do with him, but uh, I think he gets another shot somewhere playing football. And, and let's to be clear about this, he's not suspended at this point. He is on the reserve non-football injury list at this point, so he's, he's not suspended. There hasn't been any action taken against him at this point by the league. But I, I think overall, I, I didn't have a problem with him being on the sideline, but to your point, I think all in all, because of the outcry, the public outcry, of him being on the sidelines, I think it's best that he stays away at this point and also stay away from the, you know, and he really, he was reluctant to go to the game. He really didn't want to go to the game. He wanted to kind of stay away from it as well to, you know, so, I mean, it is what it is. And ultimately you hope that Josh Brent can get himself right moving forward. You wonder if he's going to do jail time and that may affect his career as well. So this is his second time in terms of driving intoxicated. So I, I, you wonder how it's going to work out for him. I hope he doesn't get time, personally, just my opinion. I hope he doesn't get time because I think he's suffering enough. He did lose his best friend. I mean, that, that's, that's the bottom line. He lost his best friend. And, you, and he lost his best friend, and he is the sole reason why he lost his best friend. And so that's got to be something he has to live with for the rest of his life. So that's one of the reasons I don't think he should get jail time, but I think he's going to get jail time at some point. But we'll see. And, Willie, switching gears now, the Denver Broncos. Your Denver mm. Broncos, nine in a row. They went to Baltimore. They beat a team, a legitimate team, beat them down 34-17. to This team was 11-3. and This team is the second seed in the AFC. I guess it's safe to say your Broncos are for real. Uh, I see they playing the best football in the NFL right now. To me, they're playing the best football in the NFL. Eleven straight games. I don't know what you, what else you need them to do. But I think they're playing the best football in the NFL. I, I can't argue. I, I can't argue with you. I mean, they went into Baltimore, and granted, the Ravens aren't playing the be- best football right now. They're they're playing the worst football right now. The Baltimore Ravens, but they did go to Baltimore. They blow out the Ravens. Blew them out. 
they play big time football on both sides of the football. Defensively, they've caused turnovers. Offensively, Peyton Manning continued his strong season, and the Broncos are 11 and three. But let's look at the Broncos and let's look at some of the other teams around the league. You got the Niners, who are a big time team with Kaepernick. They're explosive now on the offensive side of football. Their defense, their second in total defense in this league. You got the Broncos, fourth in total defense, and of course you got Peyton Manning doing his thing, putting up his numbers. You got the Falcons who are twelve and three, the the Texans who are twelve and three. But Willie, in your mind, who is the most complete team in the National Football League? Right now, right today, right now today, the Denver Broncos. The most complete team, more complete the Denver than Broncos are the most team. complete team in the, in the eleven straight. They find a way to win. I know that they haven't played the the, the play the teams they haven't played. Some of them haven't been as good, but right now, the Denver Broncos are the most complete team in the NFL. Most complete team. You said eleven straight. It's nine straight. It is nine straight, but they're eleven wins. Well, nine straight. They're eleven and three. But I mean. I, it's kind of hard to argue with that. I mean, they're playing the best football. They're playing the best football right now. Falcons, decent football, but they're not playing the best football. The 49ers. Now, that's a team, in terms of complete teams, you could have an argument with because of their defense and the way their offense is now with Colin Kaepernick. They're explosive with Kaepernick now. I mean, he's a guy that can do so much with his legs. Way more explosive. Right. I mean, he's got a big-time arm. His legs... This team looks more explosive than they've been, in, in obviously, under Alex Smith. So this is a team that you could argue is the more complete team. But it's close. It's close. And I guess if, if you know, if we're going to have this argument, I would say probably the Denver Broncos because you've got to give them the edge on the offensive side of football. Defense is, are, is probably a wash. You could argue that maybe the 49ers have a better defense. But it's close. It's close, and the Broncos are probably the most complete team in football. They probably are, but here's the thing that, and here's going to be the interesting thing: the two complete teams in football, the two top complete teams in the fo- in football, the 49ers and the Denver Broncos. When it's all said and done, those two teams may not even get to the Super Bowl because they may have to go. They're going to probably have to go through Houston, Denver will, and Atlanta. The 49ers are going to have to go through them. So. That's, those are two tough places to win at. Granted, Green Bay did go in, into Houston and blow out the Texans. But all in all, those are two tough places to play. So I, they might be the two best, the two most complete teams in football, but will those two complete teams get to the Super Bowl, Willie? Uh, it'll be easier to go through. Houston, they will Atlanta. Okay. okay. Atlanta will be tougher to go and play than will Houston. I, I think I, and I, I, say, I, think I say that because I just like the way they play at home. Mighty Ice doesn't lose a lot at home. Houston at times doesn't come to play complete football all the time. Like I said, the key to Houston is defense playing real good. And what Andre Johnson does. If Andre Johnson has a big game, you know Foster's going to do what he does week in and week out. If Andre Johnson shows up big like he does last week, they're hard to beat. If Andre Johnson doesn't show up in the playoffs and have the big games like he's been having lately, 
then that, that won't be as good. Andre Johnson helps set the tone for Houston. Houston, and and he, he's a big part of that offense and, and where go the way they go. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the Houston Texans. I, I would agree with you. I think Atlanta is going to be the tougher place to to win. And I also think because Atlanta's had those playoff disappointments over the years, I think they're primed and poised and ready to take that next step. And and at this point, if the 49ers were to go into Atlanta in the NFC title game, if that were to happen, I would favor the Atlanta Falcons because of past playoff disappointments. I just think they're primed and poised and ready to take that next step. But we'll see. We'll see. And, and even with Houston, I think Houston's going to have a harder time at it. But even if they, whoever they play, I mean, whether it's Denver in the title game, whether it's the Patriots in the title game, they're going to have a hard time, I believe, and a harder time than the Falcons will getting to the Super Bowl. But we'll see. I mean, there's a lot of games to be played, and I think these teams are, are fairly evenly matched. So it's, it's a lot of football to be played, and we'll see how things work out. But, I mean, all in all, the two most complete teams in football may not get to the Super Bowl, and that we'll see how the whole playoffs play out. And, Willie, each and every week we got to get your top five the top five teams in the National Football League as it presently are, as it presently uh, stands at this point. Who are the top five teams in the I National got De- I got Denver number one, uh, San Fran number two, Atlanta number three, Houston number four, and the New England Patriots number five. Okay. okay. I can't argue with that. I actually... I may put San Francisco as number one, and I'll, here's why. They go into New England, into New England. New England has not lost a game, a home game in December. They had a 20-game home winning streak in December, so they don't lose in December. They just don't at home. And the San Francisco 49ers went in there and at one point had a 31-3 lead. And, not, and you had – the Patriots and Tom Brady, they came all the way back and tied the score, and then you saw a championship response by the 49ers with 10 straight points to finish the ball game. I think the 49ers are the best team in football at this point. I think they're probably going to rookie quarterback. I put, them over I put them over Denver. You still got a rookie quarterback, though. At some point, he's going he's, he's gonna to be a rookie quarterback. I know he's been in the league a couple years, but he's still a rookie quarterback. Basically. At some point, at some point you got a favorite He's a way better athlete than Manning. But at some point during the course of the playoffs or going through these games, he's going to go back to being a rookie quarterback. He hasn't played a lot. But to to this point, I mean, he's had you know, he hasn't really played like a rookie. That wasn't a rookie. The way he played against New England, Sunday Night Football. I understand that. I'm mistakes. saying but eventually he is going to, he's going to make some rookie mistakes, is my point. You would think. You would think, but it hasn't happened yet. I mean, you would think he would. You would think he would at some point. I'll give you that. You definitely will think at some point he will turn into a rookie. But, I mean, you go into New England, you beat the mighty Patriots, you were up 31-3 at one point, and then when they tied the score, you responded. You, you responded. Four touchdowns in New England, 221 yards, four touchdowns for Kaepernick. I mean, he's played well, but yes, he is a rookie. He is basically a rookie. So at some points, rookies do make mistakes. 
And that was one of my arguments in keeping Alex Smith as the quarterback with the 49ers. But I, I can't really argue with that decision at this point, especially with the way Kaepernick has played. But with the playoffs, I think, will tell a lot. The playoffs will tell us whether it really was a mistake or not to me. The playoffs will tell you whether or not this was a mistake. Will Kaepernick in one of these playoff games do rookie things, do young quarterback things, interceptions, fumbles, mistakes? Will he do it? There's a possibility that he could, and if he does, it could cost the 49ers in the playoffs. This team is close to 49ers, and it's the playoffs are going to be interesting. There's no doubt about it. To me, there's no clear-cut favorite. You could say in the AFC, the Broncos, the Patriots, the Texans, and I wouldn't even sleep on the Pittsburgh Steelers, a team I think is going to be said and done. I wouldn't even sleep on them in terms of the playoffs. That's a team you can never sleep on the Pittsburgh Steelers. They still got a big time defense and that all they got some those receivers and, and Big Ben. So if the Steelers get in, they're a team you're gonna to have to watch out for and even the Ravens. Even the Ravens you know, I, I don't they're obviously not playing good football and Joe Flacco has not been playing good football over these past few weeks and you don't know how healthy they'll be. But that's a team you can't completely sleep on as well. So the AFC is going to be pretty wide open, NFC as well, Falcons, the 49ers, those are legitimate teams, teams that you're going to definitely have to watch out for in the playoffs. And if the Giants get in, you can make an argument about them. And, of course, the Green Bay Packers, obviously a team that you're going to have to watch out for in the NFC. Playoffs should be very exciting, very exciting. Willie, last week you were in New Orleans. They were celebrating your making the Hall of Fame this this year. Talk about what happened at the halftime ceremony. How excited were you to have the ceremony and, and what transpired? Oh, uh, it was great. I went down for halftime and uh the president of the Hall of Fame uh gave me my ring and, and, and said, you know, said a few words to the in front of the crowd and I got to put the ring up and show the fans and got to go down there with my two two children. So uh it was a great week. Um you know, for me and for my family, my kids had a great time. And uh, like I said, um, uh, you know, New Orleans, the fans were great to me. And I went to the museum and signed autographs, and also got to go over to a military, the naval, the navy, the naval base, and Bell Chase on that Saturday and signed autographs at the base. So um, had a real good time. It's always good to go down there, and I'll be going down there soon. Uh, you know, I'll talk later on. We're gonna, I'm having a, a, a Super Bowl event down there f- so the fans can come out and celebrate with me and have a good time um, while I'm down there uh, celebrating the Super Bowl. We're going to have a party, some some stuff going on uh, that Friday prior to the Super Bowl. So looking forward to getting back there uh, at the end of the next month and prior to the Super Bowl and having a, having a real good time. I know you and Tory Hunter got a big thing going on down there during the Super Bowl, so I mean, you're going to be down there again, Super Bowl, Super Bowl weekend. Be down there prior to Super Bowl weekend, and I'll be there the whole week okay. doing other stuff. But me and Toy do have a big deal going on, and we're trying to put it together right now with the Mardi Gras team and make sure when the fans and people come out, they can have the best time at the event as possible. We're looking forward to having a lot of fun. And you brought a little magic also to the game. The Saints won forty-one to nothing. 
They got a shutout. That defense stepped up. I mean, maybe it was the Willie Rofe effect. I mean, you were in the building, and the Saints uh, played some big-time football. Uh, they did. A shutout. No, that I, defense, I, a shutout. Unbelievable. I, I, and Tampa Bay is a pretty good team, and they they made them look bad. So hopefully they can keep the magic going against the Dallas. It's going to be a tough game because Tony Romo's playing some real good football. Drew Brees had a real good game, great game. But uh, Tony Romo played some real good football. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens in Dallas this week. And you look at it, New Orleans was coming off a three-game losing streak, and Willie Rowe stepped into the building, you know, got the ring, and, you know, and, and all of a sudden the New Orleans Saints took off. Maybe you need to head to Dallas this weekend. Well, maybe they need to hire me as a, uh, as a good luck to them. Maybe they can maybe. bring me along. And, and another <laughs> thing you're not looking at, the game within the game. Sean Payton will be watching this game real closely. Because Sean Payton and his wife, from what I heard down there, Paul, on the inside scoop, is that um, Sean Payton and his wife were trying to reconcile. And uh, the fact that uh, his family does live in Dallas, this is very intriguing because, uh, you know, everybody's saying that Jerry Jones will make a move in Sean Payton after this season. So I know he'll be watching real closely to see the battle between these teams because I think – at the end of the day, it's going to come down to New Orleans and Dallas where whether Sean Payton, where he'll be coaching next Well, let's ask this question. And, again, I think Sean Payton, obviously, is a better option than Jason Garrett. But if Jason Garrett finds a way to get the Cowboys to the playoffs, with Sean Payton out there, do the Cowboys still keep Jason Garrett? I think if you have an opportunity at Sean Payton, if you're the Cowboys, you got to take him. But do you think – the Cowboys make the move if they get the, they have an option of Sean Payton. <laughs> I, I think it's hard to turn it down. I really do. I mean, I, I, as much as I, Jason Garrett is, is a very good coach, uh, he's had some some coaching. Uh, you know, some things happen in the course of games that have been questioned. You know, early in the year, I think one of them coaching calls maybe cost him a game or something. I remember. Something happened one game, and they were like, why did he do that? But uh, I just remember the game against the Giants where he was in a situation, he was down there, and I believe they had second and one, and he mm-hmm. passed like three straight times, and they ultimately would lose that game, a game they probably should have won. I, I know that was an instance with him, and I remember a couple of years back where he iced his own kicker. Um, so there's been some some problems with J.C. Aaron, some questions about his play calling. I, I just think Tony Romo has a lot of talent. And he's been playing great. He's real excellent the last five, six games. And uh, I, if you have a chance to get Sean Payton, you you have to try to go get him. If they can get Sean Payton, if they got a legitimate chance of getting Sean Payton, he, he's such a good coach, you know, offensively. Now, we understand sometimes his defenses have struggled uh, over the course of his career in New Orleans as, as the defense has struggled this year for the Saints. But mm-hmm. off, if you have a chance to get Sean Payton offensively, uh, there's nobody better in the NFL than him. You're right. I mean, there's really – I think it's almost a no-brainer in some respect. Unless Jason Garrett finds a way to get his Cowboys to the Super Bowl, I don't think he finds a way to get his Cowboys to the Super uh, to the playoffs. Well, if, if he finds a way to get him in the playoffs and get him out the first round, let's not say Super Bowl. Okay. So you're saying if he can get to the divisional round – he can keep his job. He has a chance to keep his job if he can get the division around, yes. And I don't think they'll make the playoffs, so I don't think he keeps his job. I think they're going to lose out 
And the Cowboys, here's the thing. The Cowboys could be in a situation where they were last year, where they may have to go on the road. They Last year they went on the road. New York Giants win. They win the NFC East. Ultimately, they will lose. This year they're probably going to be in the same position where they have an opportunity to win the NFC East against the Washington Redskins. So it's going to be – if he loses that game, there's no way they can bring him back. I don't think there's no way to bring Jason Garrett back. Two opportunities, final game of the season, and you lose both times. Last over the last two years, I don't think they bring it back. I don't think they make the playoffs, and it should be interesting. It should be interesting. But to your point, if you have an opportunity at Sean Payton, you got to take Sean Payton, and there's really no getting around that. Willie, Christmas is coming up; it's around the corner. What does Willie Rofe want for Christmas? Um, I want to want everybody to have a you know a good time for the. Uh, for the holidays and, and make sure everybody's uh, families are doing well. And I just want to, um, I'm going to celebrate my Christmas when I go down to New Orleans for the Super Bowl. So Willie Rolf wants to celebrate his Christmas in New Orleans Super Bowl week. So it's going to be Christmas in January. In yes, January for, me. Well. for me it is. Okay, okay. All right, all right. And fans, be on the lookout. Uh, make sure you support. Willie Rofe and, and some of the big things he has going on in New Orleans. January 31st, February 1st, that whole weekend. I know you guys are you're on Twitter, Big Easy Super Lounge. Follow him on Twitter and follow some of the events on Twitter at B underscore Super Lounge. So B-E underscore Super Lounge, and that's at Twitter. So make sure fans go over there, follow it, follow some of the great things that's going on there. Also, it's a website, Rofe Hunter superlounge.com so make sure you go there rope hunter superlounge excuse me dot com support some of the great things Willie Rope has going on Super Bowl weekend should be a great time a lot of great people expected to be there I think I saw Big Tigger Big uh, was uh, we're, we're your event. Big Tigger Spinderella Thursday night we're also it's not, it's not a done deal but we're trying we're, we're trying to get Manny Fresh to be okay. DJ on Friday night too, another local guy. Everybody knows Money Fresh from the Hot Boys. So yeah. we, you know, we, we're looking to have we have a nice event, have some good people there. That's gonna be that's gonna be in there, but you know, DJing and you know, like I said, we, we want to make sure we have a first class event going on, and that's what we're trying to do. Get it all set up right now and, and make sure it's first class. So fans, go RofeHunterSuperLounge dot com, find out some of the great things going on with Willie Rofe. His Big Easy Super Lounge should be good times. Should be some great partying going on, great music, obviously, and uh, support some of the great things Willie Rofe has going on. Willie, pleasure as always. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year and all that good stuff. Same thing to you and your family. Take care. Thank you. The great Willie Rofe, Hall of Famer Willie Rofe. And Willie has a lot of great things going on in New Orleans. He had a great weekend in New Orleans, obviously, getting his Hall of Fame ring and celebrating that. And he's enjoying some of the great things he's done in his career. And it's a great year for Willie Rowe. I mean, 2012 has been a heck of a year for Willie Rowe. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Getting into the Hall of Fame, obviously, was a big thing for him. And celebrating that, he's continuing to celebrate that. He's been celebrating that uh, for the longest now. And so it's a great time to be the great Willie Rofe. Definitely a great time to be Willie Rofe. He's loving it up. He's celebrating like it's 1999. And his Christmas 
his Christmas won't be until, it will not be until late January, early February, as he's got some big things going on with his Super Lounge, Be Easy Super Lounge, and again, Rofe Hunter, superlounge.com. Support some of the things going on with Willie Rofe and uh, some of the exciting events he has going on down in New Orleans, the Big Easy. Should be a good old time. And you look at the NFL and everything that is going to go on. Tonight, it starts tonight, actually, where you have a big game, Lions, Falcons. And you looked at that game earlier in the season, you would say, or even at the beginning of the season, you would say, you know what, that game is a big game. That game is going to mean a lot. That game is going to mean a lot, and it turns out this game means absolutely nothing. doesn't mean anything. But it does mean something for the Falcons from the standpoint of securing the number one spot in the NFC. So they have to win out to secure that. They have to win out win out to secure that. And if the 49ers lose, well, then they have no problems. But this is a game that means something to the Atlanta Falcons. This is a game that means something to the Falcons. It means something to the Falcons. This game means something to the Falcons. This is a big game for the Atlanta Falcons. You want to secure that number one spot with the possibility, maybe you rest, guys, that final game. You want to secure a spot. You want to secure a spot as the number You want to secure that spot as the number one seed. That's what you want to do. Atlanta is going to be a tough team to beat at that Georgia Dome. Granted, the Green Bay Packers went in there two seasons ago and beat them. But Atlanta is going to be a tough team to beat in the Superdome, in that Georgia Dome, excuse me, a tough team to beat. So I don't know whether or not, you know, San Francisco's a very good football team. But I don't know if they can go into that Georgia Dome. Can they do it? Yes. Will they do it? That's another story. That's another story. Tough place to play. The Falcons playing big-time football throughout the course of this year, 12-2. and two. Best mark in football, tied with the Texans for the best mark in football, but have the best record in the NFC. And the thing about the Falcons, it's not what happens now, it's what happens in January. We, we've seen this script all we've seen this script before. This script is all too familiar when it comes to the Atlanta Falcons. This script is all too familiar. And so I don't know how much it changes. I don't know how much it changes this year. We'll see. The Falcons are a lot like the Miami Heat. It doesn't matter what they do in the regular season. What matters is what they do in the playoffs. And that's what matters with the Atlanta Falcons, what they do come playoff time. That's what matters with the Falcons. What happens in the playoffs? What happens in the playoffs? The Falcons now have an opportunity. They're going to more likely have the number one seed. If you want to go to the Super Bowl, it's probably going to go through the Georgia Dome. That's a tough, tough assignment for any team, for any team, for the Packers, for the 49ers, another team, the Giants, if they can get in, it's going to be a tough, tough 
tough place to win. Not impossible, as we've seen in these playoffs a couple years back. It's not impossible, but it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough to win in the Georgia Dome. The second hour of Go For It starts right now. Underway, and in this hour, we're going to be joined by Broncos corner Chris Harris. And Chris made a big time play last week against the Baltimore Ravens. The biggest play of the game is the Ravens were threatening, down 10 nothing, had an opportunity to get back into the game. Chris Harris closed that opportunity with a 98 yard interception return for a big touchdown, and ultimately, ultimately, ultimately. Because of that, the Broncos, the Broncos, the Broncos are in the, have a nine-game winning streak. The Broncos are complete are in complete control in terms of their destiny, in terms of getting the number two spot in in. The AFC, but Chris Harris made a big time play. Chris Harris made a big time football play. A big time football play. He made a big time play in that particular game. It was the play of the game. It put the game away, and ultimately the Broncos were able to win that game. But again, we shall see what happens in these playoffs, and I'm looking forward to talking to Chris Harris about. The final game, final two games of the season, and also about the upcoming NFL playoffs. Great time to be a Denver Broncos fan. And you look at the Broncos. You know, last year they kind of backed into the playoffs. Last year, with Tim Tebow as that quarterback, you knew the Broncos really didn't have an opportunity to get to the Super Bowl. This year, totally different story. Totally, totally different story. Totally different story. So you wonder. Now, are the Broncos the team to beat? Are the Texans the team to beat? Who is the team to beat in the AFC? The Patriots. Are they the team to beat? All those teams are going to be tough outs. All those teams are going to be tough outs. There's no doubt about that. They're going to be tough outs. Tough outs. No matter how you put it, no matter how you slice it, they are going to be a tough out. So that's what makes the AFC so intriguing. Same deal in the NFC. 49ers, Packers are going to be tough outs. Those teams are going to be tough outs. Tough outs. They are going to be tough outs. No matter how you look at it. Tough outs. So that's that's going to make the these playoffs so intriguing. The Steelers are going to be a tough out. 
the Steelers are truly going to be a tough out if they can get in. If they can get in. And I think they will get in, the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think they will get in. I think the Steelers will get in. So I look at the Steelers, and that's a team that's going to be tough if they can get in. You don't want to see the Steelers. And that's why I say that the the first-round matchup could be such an intriguing matchup because you could have a situation where you have the Patriots, Patriots and the Pittsburgh Steelers in that first round. That's going to be a tough matchup. That's not going to be a gimme game. That's not going to be a gimme game for the Patriots. It's not going to be a gimme game. So I look at, I look at those these playoffs, and I say, you know what? This is going to be crazy. This is going to be some big time football. This is going to be some competitive football, and there's going to be some good teams who may lose early in these playoffs. There's going to be some good teams who may leave, who may lose early in these playoffs. We shall see. We shall see what happens. It should be exciting, folks. It should be exciting, very exciting. And we shall see. And interesting comments by James Harrison. And the the thing about his comments and the thing about it is this. You know, the league as a whole has been trying to do things to protect its players. They've been trying to do things to protect its players. Trying to do things to protect its players. And one of the ways it's trying to protect its players is, is you know, they're finding guys with, when they do these helmet-to-helmet hits and, and penalizing guys with these helmet-to-helmet hits. And James Harrison, interesting comments, as he spoke to ESPN yesterday, he said, I really lowered my target area where it's down around the knees. Situations come along where you can tackle the guy high. I don't do that anymore. I tackle the guy low. And you look at it, and you remember, do you remember that hit against Aaron, Eric Decker in the playoffs against the Denver Broncos where he did go low? And because of that, Decker messed up his MCL. Decker messed up his MCL. MCL injury. And so you look at it and, you know, you, players say it all the time. They're more protective of their lower region than their upper region. They're more protective of those knees and, and, and legs and, and hamstrings and all the lower level. They're more protective of that area than high. They're more protective of high, uh, lower than high. So players want to protect their, their, their lower area. But the reality is with these new rules and everything, players are now forced to change their approach. Players are forced to change their approach. And James Harrison has some more interesting quotes. He said, I could have tackled him high. And talking to Eric, De- talking about the Eric Decker hit, I could have tackled him high, but if I would have hit him high, I probably would have gotten a helmet-to-helmet 
or something and got in fine. So I hit him low. He straightened his MCL. They're saying it's life-threatening injury to hit a guy in the head and he gets a concussion and so on and so forth. But I think it's a life-threatening injury is to go low on a guy and blow out his ACL or whatever. And he's not able to come back, and that's why – and he's not able to come back the way he was before. Now he can't make a living. He can't feed his family. He can't do what he does. That's life-threatening to me. That's interesting. Interesting, interesting, interesting comments because the reality is, guys, if you can't feed your family, you know, your family's in the streets, and you can't feed your family, you might do unsavory things, which could put you in life-threatening situations. So it's not, it's not as crazy as it initially sounds. It's not as crazy as it initially sounds. But again, he said, they're saying it's life-threatening injury to hit a guy in the head and he gets a concussion and so on and so forth. But I think a life-threatening injury is to go low on a guy and blow out his ACR or whatever. And he's not able to come back the way he was before. Now he can't make a living. He can't feed his family. He can't do what he does. That's life-threatening to me. And those comments... There's some validity to it, because if you can't feed your family, you put yourself, you, you may put yourself in position to do things which would be unsafe and, and life-threatening to you. Could be life-threatening to you. Again, guys are going to be more willing to protect their lower half than their upper half. It's just the nature of the game nature of the situation. That's what guys are going to do. Guys don't want ACLs, MCL injuries. That's what guys don't want. That's what guys don't want. And the thing about it is, the thing about it is, that's what's happening. Guys are going low. Guys are going to have to go low. Because, you know, you, you can't, you know, you're taking your money now. You're, you're taking people's money. I mean, James Harrison been fined more, been fined over a hundred thousand dollars for unsafe hits. Over a hundred thousand dollars. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. Over a hundred thousand dollars is a lot of money. A lot of money. A lot of money. Over a hundred thousand dollars. That's money that could feed future Harrisons for years to come. But the money is not feeding future Harrisons because it's going to the league. It's going to the league. He lost, he was suspended a game because of his hit on Colt McCoy. I mean, so he's changing his approach and all in all, theoretically, is to make the game safer. And James Harrison said, you know what? And here's what his, here's some other quotes he said in terms of the safety in the game and in terms of Roger Goodell making the game safer. He said, you say you want to make the game safer, but yet you turn around and want to add extra games. How is that making us safer? Fair point. 
Fair point. I mean, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. That's a great point. It is, it is the ultimate contradiction. Actually, the fans agree. I mean, that, that, that comment deserves some fans cheering. That comment deserves fans cheering. That comment deserves that. That comment definitely deserves fans cheers. Definitely deserves that. I mean, it is a contradiction. You can't say, you can't say, on one hand, we want to make the game safer. And then on the other hand, you say, you know what? Let's add more games. Let's expand the playoffs. Let's add more teams to the playoffs. Let's play 18 games. Let's add a a full slate of Thursday night football games. Let's do all these things. Let's do all these things. Let's do it all. Are you truly making the game safer? And, and, And really, the reality is, how safe can you make this game? How safe can you make a physical game? How safe can you make boxing, football? I mean, these, these games, are a part of it is pain. Part of these, this game is to inflict pain on your opponent. That's the nature of this game, football. That is the nature of football. That's the nature of the beast. Football, that's the nature of it, to inflict pain on your opponents. That's the nature of this game. And obviously, obviously, the league is trying to do whatever it can to try to to make the game safer and at the same time protect itself future lawsuits because we know that big concussion lawsuit is out there. So this is what the league is trying to do. This is what the league is trying to do. How successful has it been? Well, I guess we can only only time will tell how successful it's been. Only time will tell how successful it will be. Time will be the judge of all this. Time will be the judge of all this. But I, I look at it and I say, you know what? In terms of what's going on in the National Football League in general, I just don't know how safe you can make the game without taking away key components of the game. And at some point, I said it before, you're going to water down the game. You're going to keep taking things away in the name of player safety. Let's take this away. Okay, let's take that away. Kickoffs, no more kickoffs. Done. Take it out of the game. Horse collar tackles, you took that out of the game. You know, you're taking all these aspects out of the game. Roughing the quarterback. Defenseless receiver, that notion. I mean, it's hard to figure out what is a defenseless receiver. Those are the plays I think that need, need to be reviewed because it's such a big bearing on the game. Big bearing on the game. And, you know, so I think that's a, something that needs to be looked at in terms of in the future and looking at these penalties because these penalties, you know, these are game-changing type of penalties. 15 yards is a game-changer. That's a game-changing type penalty. I think that's something the league needs to look at in terms of reviewing some of these hits, because some of these hits are are not on a defenseless receiver. The receiver is not defenseless. Some of these roughing the the passer penalty calls are not roughing the passer. 
It may look like it was a blow to the head, or it may look like they did this or that, but they didn't. I just think, I just think that you got to be careful. All in all, you have to be careful because, again, you're going to run into things like James Harrison hitting guys low because he wants to protect his wallet and protect his pockets, which is understandable. Very understandable. I can't argue with that. Uh, how can I argue with a guy that's protecting his pockets and doing whatever he got to do to protect his pockets? I can't argue with that. I can't argue with that. I don't think anybody can argue with that. He's got to do what he has to do to protect his pockets. He's got to protect his pockets, protect his money. That's his money. He's got to protect his money. He's got to protect his money. Can't argue with that. That's his money. That's how he eats. Got to protect that at all costs sometimes. So I understand James Harrison and his approach here. Um, Can't really argue with it. Can't really argue with it at all. And um, all in all, players are changing their approach, and James Harrison has changed his approach. He has a new approach, and you wonder now the effect of that new approach. You wonder. Now the effect of that new approach. So it should be interesting. Moving forward, how it's going to work out in terms of guys going high, guys going low, guys doing whatever they can do, whatever they can do to save their wallet. And I want to continue with the NFL, and I want to talk about the Comeback Player of the Year award. Obviously, Adrian Peterson and Peyton Manning, it's those two guys. Those two guys are having big-time years, putting up big-time numbers. Big-time numbers. I mean, Adrian Peterson, he's close to 2,000. He may get 2,000. He may get 2,000 yards this season. And you look at his injury at the time he did. He did it in December, and he's back already, back at the start of the season doing big things, big things for the Minnesota Vikings. I mean, he's cra- the crazy things that he's doing. Eight, 1,812 yards, over 1,800 yards. So 188 yards to get to 2,000 for Adrian Peterson, including a big 200-yard performance last week against the St. Louis Rams. So Adrian Peterson, his numbers speak for themselves. The numbers speak for themselves. And Peterson, he's trying to catch Eric Dickerson's. He wants Eric Dickerson's record. And he has a shot. He has a shot. Definitely has a shot. I mean, this guy, is he the closest to Jim Brown we've seen? Is he the closest to Jim Brown we've seen? He's 294 yards behind Eric Dickerson in terms of the record for most yards in the season. Will he get it? He needs an average of basically a little less than 150 yards over the final two games to do it. Does play that Houston Texans defense, which is a a tough defense, obviously. A tough defense. A big-time defense in Houston. Defense has had some struggles, but he he does have to play that Texans defense. So that's going to make it a little harder for AP to get that record. That's going to make it rough for AP to get that record, having to play the Houston Texans. That's going to be tough on AP. That's going to be very tough on AP. 
but I can't doubt AP, Adrian Peterson. I, I can't doubt this guy. I can't. And then he has Green Bay the final year of the season, and he's had some success against the Packers earlier in this season. So we'll see. I mean, I, I think the interesting part is what he can do against the Texans because he had 210 yards against the Packers last time they played. So he can have success against that Packer offense, defense, excuse me, AP. But the question becomes AP and Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning over 4,000 yards passing, 31 big touchdowns. His Denver Broncos in a good spot, good position, a great opportunity to win possibly the Super Bowl. And the question is, who is the comeback player of the year? Peyton Manning, three neck surgeries in, in two years, and Adrian Peterson, ACL injury. He came back so soon. Came back so soon. I don't know. I mean, could it be a tie? I mean, can we just make this thing a tie? Could it, could it be like the Jason Kidd Grand Hill Rookie of the Year many years back where there was just a tie? Can we just make it a tie? Because it, you could make legitimate cases for both of them. You can make legitimate cases for both of them. I mean, you got Grand Hill and Jason Kidd, co-Rookie of the Years in 1995. Heck, let's make it co-comeback players of the year, award winners. Let's make them. Let's make them both. Let's make them both the comeback player of the year, award winners. Let's make them both. I mean, come on. Let's give them both. Let them share it. I mean, Peyton Manning's numbers are incredible. What Peyton Manning has done is incredible. I mean, there was talk that he may never play again, and he's played again. Adrian Peterson, towards ACL in December, he's back already and dominating. He's not, he's not back. He's, just, he's back and dominating. He's back and putting up big-time numbers. He's back and possibly could set the record for most yardage in the season for rushing. I mean, come on. Come on. Come on. So... As far as I'm concerned, let's make it a tie. Let, let's let's go 1995, Grand Hill, Jason Kidd, and let's just make it a tie. I, I think Peyton Manning, Adrian Peterson, should both receive the Comeback Player of the Year award. Both of them. Make it a tie. Let's just make it a tie. I mean, what these guys have both done, you can even put both of these guys in the MVP talk, but what these guys both have done to come back from the injuries that they came back from and to be dominating, it's incredible. It's incredible. Both of them. Incredible. I just give it to both of them. Give it to both of them. Just give it to both of them. And more than likely, AP is probably going to get 2,000 yards. Probably going to get 2,000 yards. And you look at the, 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 the Broncos and Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning, what he has done, Peyton Manning coming back from a neck injury. I mean, we've seen people come back from ACLs. And we've seen some people come back from necks, too, but not to the extent of Peyton Manning. I mean, three surgeries on his neck. 
he was able to come into a new situation. And also, to his credit, his team is in playoff and Super Bowl contention. They're in playoff and Super Bowl contention. So I look at it and I say, you know what? Let's make it a tie. Let's, let's It's a tie. You know, Peyton Manning and, and Adrian Peterson both get the award. How about that? I think that settles the whole thing. Because, you can, like I said, you can make legitimate arguments for both of them. Legitimate arguments. Legitimate arguments for both of these players. Legitimate arguments. I mean, legitimate arguments for both of these guys. You could argue that AP has put this Denver, this uh, Minnesota Vikings team on his back and put them in playoff contention and put them in a situation if they win the final two games, they get to the playoffs. But then I'll counter that and say, you know what? Peyton Manning has had a great year. Peyton Manning has put his team in good position to win. Granted, they have a big-time defense at Denver, but Peyton Manning has put up big-time numbers as well. And he has put the Denver Broncos in a great position to win a Super Bowl. They won the AFC West already. They can take care of the the second seed. So, I, I don't know, man. It's just, you can't I don't think there's a clear-cut favorite here. I think you can give it to both of them. Let them share it. Enjoy it. Get the award, both of you guys, and just enjoy it. Share it. How about that? I think that's the best way to do it. The best way to do it, Adrian Peterson, Peyton Manning. Let's take it back to 1995 in the NBA with both Grant Hill and Jason Kidd shared the Rookie of the Year award. Both shared the Rookie of the Year award. Both shared it. They shared it together, both of those guys, Grant Hill and Jason Kidd. I think that's what we should do here with Peyton Manning and Adrian Peterson. Let's just make it a tie. Make it a tie. I don't think anybody can argue with that. I think it's the best way to do it. Because Adrian Peterson... Again, this team is two team, two games away from getting into the playoffs. They win the final two, they're in. And the only reason they're in this position is not because of Christian Ponder. It's because of AP, Adrian Peterson. Denver Broncos, 11-3. and three. They won the AFC West. They did that a year ago. But they're also in a position they get the second seed in the AFC and also in position to take a, make a long run in the playoffs and even possibly to the Super Bowl. So, with that being said, if, if you had to put a gun to my head and, and I was forced to choose one of the two, I'm going Peyton Manning. I'm, there was a lot of people who thought Peyton Manning was done. There was a lot of people who thought Peyton Manning would never play a game in the National Football League again. He not only played a game, but he played the whole season. Been healthy through the whole season and has been dominating throughout the whole season. Has put up numbers throughout the whole season. 31 touchdowns, only 10 interceptions during this whole season. That's what Peyton Manning has done. That's the dominance I'm talking about with Peyton Manning. Over 4,000 yards passing at this point in the season with two games to play. 
So he could end up end the year theoretically. Right now, four thousand sixteen yards passing, but he could end the year theoretically. You know, where he is in a situation where he's talking thirty five, thirty six, thirty seven touchdowns, and about forty five to forty six hundred yards passing. He could be in that position because more than likely the Denver Broncos are going to have to win those final two games to secure that number two spot because if they they lose one and the Patriots win out, the Patriots get the number two spot. So the Denver Broncos are going to have to win out. They still have some meaningful football left. They're going to have to win out. So Peyton Manning is going to have to play unless the Patriots lose one one of these two games. They're going to have to play. So he's probably he has a shot to put up, like I said, close to thirty five, thirty six, thirty seven touchdowns and about forty five, forty six hundred yards passing yards. And this is a guy coming off a neck injury. This is a guy with three surgeries on his neck in two years. This is a guy that some believe would never play professional football again. To me, all those come together from in my belief. And in my opinion, Peyton Manning is the comeback player of the year. If you had to put a gun to my head. If you're not putting a gun to my head, I will say this. Just make it a tie. (laughs) Make it a tie. Give them both the award. Jason Kidd, Grant Hill, 1995 Rookie of the Year Award. Give Give it to both of them. They did it in the NBA in 1995, 2012. Let's do it with the comeback player of the year award. Peyton Manning, AP, share it. Enjoy it, fellas. Both of you should get it. No one is better than the other. Both of your your years have been impressive. And all in all, whoever gets it, gets it. Whoever gets it, gets it. And I really can't argue with either one, to be honest with you. Can't argue for either one. I can't argue against either one, I should say. I want to go to the NBA right now, right now and I want to go to Andrew Bynum. I mean, Christmas is coming up, and I think I may have gotten a Christmas present as I am a lifelong Philadelphia 76ers fan. Andrew Bynum is progressing. He is progressing. He can start low-impact exercising at this point, riding a bike. He can start. This is great. This is great. Bynum was quoted as saying before the game, the the bone bruises are healed, the swelling is gone, so these are two great – these things are great. We're just waiting for mechanical issues to be resolved, and that's going to take anywhere for a month, from a month or two. I have no idea, but we're going to work towards grinding it out so it's not causing me any problems. There you have it from Bynum. He says the bone bruises are healed and the swelling is gone. So those, are two, those two things are great. Obviously, those two things are great, Andrew. You're on your way back, baby. Andrew Bynum is on his way back. This is a Christmas present for me. This is my Christmas present. This is my Christmas present. Andrew Bynum is working his way back. He's on the way back, folks. He's working his way back. He said he's confident he'll be on the court this season. That's what he said. He's confident. He's confident. He's confident that he will be back. He's confident that he will be back. 
He will be back. They're still weakened cartilage in his knees, but it hasn't gotten any gotten worse, so that's a good thing. No surgery at this point for that. So hopefully Andrew Bynum can come on back to the Philadelphia 76ers, get him back in the mix, get Bynum back. And this team would take off with Andrew Bynum in the middle, meaning the Philadelphia 76ers. They will take off with Andrew Bynum in the middle. They will take off, I think. I mean, this team is, you look at the shooters they have, Nick Young, Darrell Wright, Drew Holiday can stroke it, Jason Richardson can stroke it. So they have some shooters. Can you imagine when Andrew Bynum comes back, drop it into the big man, double team, pass it out the double team, swing it around, Okay, Swaggy P, Nick Young, you shoot to three. Okay, Jay Rich, you shoot to three. Okay, Drew, you can shoot to three. Darrell Wright, it's your turn. You're open. You can shoot to three. Can you imagine what it's going to open up for everybody when the big man comes back? He's coming. At least that's what he's telling us. He's telling us that he will be, he's confident that he will be on the court this season. The news was encouraging. The news was great. He's got a six-part rehab process that he has to go through. If he can do it, get through it, Andrew Bynum will be back on the court for the Philadelphia 76ers before the year's end. And then get him back, and let's, let's make it to the playoffs, get into the playoffs at this point, get him back. It changes things. It changes things. If you get him back, things change at this point. Things really change at this point. If he's back, if he's back, Andrew Bynum, things change. Oh, things change for the Philadelphia 76ers. It gets good now, folks. If Andrew Bynum can make his return back, to the Philadelphia 76ers, and the Sixers can find a way to get into the playoffs, they're going to be a tough out with Andrew Bynum. Because we saw the growth. We've seen the growth of Drew Holiday. Evan Turner been decent this year. Jason Richardson's played well as well, too, I should say. And then you have Nick Young, a guy who can fill it up. Darrell Wright's a guy who can fill it up. The open looks that these guys would get with Andrew Bynum back in the mix would be also beautiful. Also beautiful. This was a Sixer team coming into this year that had an opportunity to contend in the Eastern Conference because of Andrew Bynum, because of what he brings to the table. He is the second best big man in this league. So because of that, because of the things that he brings to this table brings to the table, he was a guy that was counted on to have a big time year for the Sixers. A big-time year. And the Sixers were expecting to have a big-time year with the addition of Andrew Bynum. And oh, what an addition, hopefully it will be when he finally gets on the court. And hopefully that time is, hopefully that time is, what, maybe after the All-Star break? We shall see. When we come back, 
We're going to bring in Chris Harris of the Denver Broncos. You're listening to Go For It on Block Talk Radio. Almeida, a.k.a. Corey Live, host of Picturica on the Hub and warm-up host for American Idol and Dancing with the Stars. And right now, you are listening to Go For It on Blog Talk Radio with my man, Paulie G and Jeremy. Get it! Thank you, sir. You got it, brother. Have a go, man. Okay. And let's, we're, we're back and... If you're going to join Corey now, Almeida, a.k.a. Corey Live, host of Picturica. Okay. We're going to be but we're going to be joined now by a guy who's had a big time. Hey, what up? It's Corey Almeida, aka Corey Live. Having some technical issues there. We've gotten that taken care of. We're going to bring in a guy now who's has a big had a big time year for the Denver Broncos. A guy who made a big time play last week against the Baltimore Ravens. His play was the big reason why the Denver Broncos are eleven and three. The big reason why the Denver Broncos have won nine games in a row. Let's bring him in now, corner for the Denver Broncos, Chris Harris. Chris, how are you, man? Uh, I'm doing real good. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for joining us. And, Chris, let's get right down to it. Last week against the Baltimore Ravens, you guys made it happen on both sides of the ball. Talk about your performance against the Ravens last Sunday. Uh, I feel like we came out and um, definitely got off the field on three three and outs and, uh, I mean, forced them to pass the ball. And uh, we were able to make some plays on the ball. And, uh, I mean, I feel like we played good. You definitely play good, and you play well, uh, too, as you have one of the biggest plays of the game. Ravens down there threatening. You guys up 10 nothing, And you made, again, the play of the game. Take us through that play. Oh, I mean, I just all week I was just focusing on uh, getting the line fast and uh, so I could read and react. Uh, and, uh, I mean, um, they were trying to hurry us up, and I just made sure I lined up fast and uh, broke I broke on the receiver, Bowden, and then I looked back and the ball was coming. I just made a play on the ball. You made a play, and 98 yards later, you boys were up 17 to nothing, and pretty much the game was a wrap at that point. Take us through the final parts of that interception. Flacco was coming. You couldn't get caught by a quarterback, could you? Nah, that definitely, I definitely couldn't get caught by a quarterback, but I seen him coming, and um, – I mean, I had a little bit more juice just in making it in the end zone. But, um, I mean, Flacco made I had a great effort. My linebacker, my linebacker was blocking him. All he had to do was stay on him, and then uh, I would have been able to jog him. <laughs> and you, you made the play. You did what you had to do. And right now you Denver Broncos have won nine in a row. You guys got off to a slow start, two and three, at one point in this season. What have you guys done to turn this thing around? I mean, definitely um, having Peyton Manning, he definitely helps out a lot with the offense scoring. And, uh, I mean, we just try to get get off on a third down and make sure that uh, Peyton gets the ball. And, um, I mean, really just watch him work. And he's put in a lot of work this year, over 4,000 yards passing, 31 big touchdowns for Peyton Manning at this point in the season. Talk about Peyton Manning in the locker room and, and some of the things he's brought to the team this season. Oh, Peyton Manning is definitely a true leader. I mean, especially what he's brought to us on the field of his leadership. 
I mean, if he feels like the offense isn't practicing well or focusing right, and uh, I mean, he definitely gets on worse than the coaches. You know what I mean? And uh, I mean, that's the type of leader that you need to have. A guy that knows how to win, and uh, I mean, he definitely uh, changed the whole team. Is he the comeback player of the year, in your opinion? Yeah, I mean, it definitely goes out of him and Adrian Peterson. And, uh, I mean, most of the time we can't choose people on our team. But, if I I mean, other than Peyton, I would go with Adrian Peterson because what he's doing is is uh, remarkable. But if, if you had your real choice, obviously it would be Peyton Manning. Yeah, definitely. And I can't really argue with it. I said give it to both of them, let them split it. I mean, both of them have big-time years both of them big yeah. time here, so let them split it. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. I definitely. And Chris, throughout the course of this season, you have been about that big play life. I mean, three picks. You had the game clinching pick against the Chargers this season. I mean, you, you're tied for the league for the uh, team lead in interceptions. What's up with you in these big plays? Oh uh, man, uh, I'm just uh, taking it one play at a time, and uh, I mean, letting the game come to me, and uh, I mean. Uh, team's been trying me a lot, and uh, I mean, I just been able to make plays on the ball and uh, be able to just to score. Having two touchdowns is big, and uh, I mean, uh, I just know how to return them after I catch them. Definitely, you definitely know how to return them. Two touchdowns for you in this season, two big touchdowns. Because again, in the, against the Ravens last week, the Ravens were threatening. You guys were up ten nothing, and that interception by you was essentially the clincher at that point. And obviously against the Chargers, that was the clincher, your interception against the Chargers earlier in this season. So, Chris, obviously you're making big plays, you're doing big things. And interesting with you, Chris, I mean, you were an undrafted free agent in 2011. Now you're a starting corner for the Denver Broncos. Talk about the journey for you, going from an undrafted rookie free agent to this point here where you're tied for the team league and lead in interceptions. Uh, I mean, definitely, I had to uh, overcome a couple, uh, a whole bunch of obstacles, you know, in order to be where I'm at. I mean, um, uh, I'm definitely, uh, Denver Broncos definitely made me work for everything and uh, all my spots. And, uh, I mean, i just taking advantage of the opportunity that they have gave me and uh, continue to just try to improve every week. And that you are. You are improving week in and week out. Your team is improving week in and week out. We're talking to Broncos corner Chris Harrison. Chris, let's go to your defense. I mean, your defense is one of the best defenses in this game, second against the rush, eighth against the pass. I mean, you guys, as a defensive unit, have been getting it done for the past two years. Talk about the play of your defense this season. Uh, definitely, when you have the, um, the skilled guys that we have up front with Robert Ayers, Von Miller, uh, Elvis Dumerville, and then Derek Wolf, and uh, Bannon, and, and uh, Vickerson is playing very good up front, and then, I mean, Wesley Williams having a fantastic year at um, at the linebacker position and then uh, adding our secondary. That's, uh, I feel like we really gelled uh, as the season went on. And, uh, I mean, it's, it's really tough to beat us uh, as long as the guys up front are really continuing to play well and we uh, continue to uh, eliminate the big plays. Definitely. And you play opposite Champ Bailey. How much have you learned from Champ Bailey, one of the greatest cornerbacks to ever do it? How much have you learned from Champ? Uh, I mean, Champ's just a guy that comes in and competes every day. And, I mean, just to be able to pick his brain sometimes and uh, see what he sees on film is, uh, I mean, something that a lot of corners in this league don't get a chance of having. And uh, playing with them has definitely helped me out a lot. 
and and it shows. I mean, you're definitely getting it done this season. Let's talk about tomorrow's game against the Cleveland Browns, a game you guys need to win to secure that second seed in the AFC. You guys more likely probably will have to win the next two games to secure that second seed in the AFC. How do you guys go about avoiding a letdown against the Browns? Uh, I mean, we just had to continue to have the same type of practices that we've been having uh, uh, since we've been on the streak. And, uh, I mean, uh, guys are continuing to lock in and uh, work really hard. We know that um, we we need to win these next two games in order to get the bye. And, uh, I mean, that's something that we're just trying to take uh, take it with the Browns this week. And uh, knowing in order to get that bye, we have to finish out strong. And how important is that bye? I mean, last year you guys had to play in the wild card round. All in all, how important is getting a bye for your team? Uh, I mean, it's definitely important. I mean, whenever you can be able to play a game at home uh, is is definitely important in the second round. And, uh, I mean, it's, it's just having the fans there playing at home is very comfortable. So, I mean, and the altitude helps out a lot too, definitely. <laughs> how long did it take you to get used to that altitude? Uh, I mean, it's, it's 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 like since we train in it every day and practicing it, it's pretty. I'm pretty acclimated to it. But okay. uh, when we go away, um, you can breathe so much easier. Um, definitely, never really get too tired out there on the field when we play away. So it's almost a gift for you because you know you can. It, when you go to other places, it's like wow, you know I'm used to this. I can handle this. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> And I look at your team, you're second in the league in scoring, you're fourth in total defense. Are the Broncos the most complete team in football at this point? Uh, I would say uh, we're pretty – right now we have um, having a great offense and we're paid Manning and then having Trendon Holiday return and us uh, having a pretty solid year on defense. It definitely uh, makes us complete. But, uh, I mean, we still feel like we haven't played that complete game where – um, all cylinders, uh, the uh, offense, defense, and the special team is clicking at once. And uh, I mean, that's something that we uh, plan on doing in the playoffs. Definitely. We're talking to Broncos corner Chris Harrison. Chris, obviously, you guys are one of the hottest teams in football, nine in a row. Obviously, you're one of the more complete teams in football at this point. Peyton Manning, your defense, and some of the things you guys are doing on both sides of the ball. How do you feel about your chances of going deep in these playoffs? Oh, I mean, definitely we feel confident, but we know that uh, it's not going to come easy. We know we have to put in the work every day, and, uh, I mean, just to continue to improve. Uh, we feel like we still haven't uh, peaked yet, and, uh, I mean, that's something that we're continuing to focus on doing. And, Chris, you know, I, I want to now take this time to apologize to the Denver Broncos and apologize to you personally. I was a guy that, that over these past few weeks had some doubts about your team. I saw some of the teams you guys were playing. They weren't the best teams in the league, but after what you did to the Baltimore Ravens this week, last week I should say, and how dominating you were, I can officially say to you that I'm sorry for doubting you. You guys are truly for real. Sorry, Chris. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, when you got Peyton Manning and uh, with a solid defense, it's hard to doubt us. But, I mean, we still, like I said, continue to improve. And, uh, I mean, Peyton's doing a good job of keeping everybody hungry. And, and you guys are hungry, and you guys are playing some big-time football. And 
ironically enough, I did have you guys going to the Super Bowl this year. So even though I have my doubts at the beginning of the year, I had the Broncos going to the Super Bowl. But again, I am sorry for ever doubting you, Chris, and doubting your teammates. You guys well, are you real. Doubt yourself. You doubting yourself then. <laughs> yeah, I guess on some level, yes. I, I guess so. I guess so. <laughs> so I guess I should apologize to myself, right, for doubting uh, yeah. myself. Yep. <laughs> and Chris, Christmas is around the corner. What does Chris Harris want for Christmas? Uh, really, I just uh, I'm trying to think what my wife might have got me. I don't know what she probably got me. I told her I wanted a a new wallet, a couple uh, a couple of shoes. So I'm gonna see if she uh, if she done it for me. You want those Elevens? I know a lot of people want the Elevens. Oh yeah, I definitely. I know I got those coming in for sure. Okay, okay. Yeah. So you're probably going to get the Elevens, maybe a little wallet. I mean, it's kind of hard to shop for a guy like you, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, being fortunate. I mean, uh, I really do a lot of the shopping for myself. I pretty much have everything I need. So yeah, I would say it's pretty, pretty be pretty hard shopping for me. And Chris, I know you're. you're, I went to your website, ChrisHarrisJr.com, and I know you're in the process of setting up a foundation. How's that going? Yeah, Uh, it's going good. We're just uh, right now. I'm involved with Big Brothers Big Sisters, uh, very heavy right now. Uh, We just uh, adopted a family for Christmas with them, and uh, definitely, and we did a game giveaway this year with kids writing essays. So uh, we're definitely going to start getting my foundation. more going once the off season hits, and uh, I mean everybody should look forward to seeing what what we have going on. And fans, make sure you check his website, chrisharrisjr.com. That's chrisharrisjr.com, so you can see some of the great things that Chris Harris has going on, some of the great things he plans on doing in the community, and some of the great things he's doing now in the community. Mm-hmm. How important is it for you to give back? Uh, I mean, definitely it is. Uh, I mean, something that uh, I think all Players should uh, back to the community. Yeah. The community helps take us, and uh, I mean, we just thank them for it. Definitely, Chris. Again, fans, mm-hmm. go check it out. Chris Harris Jr. dot com. Chris is also on Twitter at Chris Harris Jr. Fans, check out some of the great things he has going on. And Chris, it was a pleasure talking to you, man. We wish you nothing but the best of luck. Good luck tomorrow against the Browns. Good luck in the playoffs. And good luck in all that you do. Let's do this again. Okay. Chris? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks. Oh, yeah, thanks, man. Thanks for everything. And, uh, oh, yeah, let me know whenever you want to uh, have me back on. I'll be glad to come back on. Definitely. We'd love to have you yeah. back, Chris. Good luck to you, man. Good guy. You you yeah. did it the hard way, but you're, you're, you're making big plays for the Denver Broncos, and that play last week against the Ravens was a big-time play. And keep keep doing what you're doing, man. Merry Christmas. All right. All right, same to you. Thanks. Take care. Chris Harris, corner for the Denver Broncos. And, again, Chris Harris made a big-time play last week. Big-time play. A big-time play last week. I mean, that was a big-time play. That was the game. That was the game. 10 nothing. Ravens threatening. Nine. Chris Harris makes a play on the ball. 98 yards later, Chris Harris had a touchdown. And 98 yards later, the Denver Broncos were up 17 to nothing and in complete control of that game after the play 
of Chris Harris. Big play by Chris Harris. Big gear for Chris Harris at this point. Three big picks. Again, two touchdowns, and those two touchdowns were big touchdowns. So it was a pleasure talking to Chris Harris. Another eight minutes left in the show. Um, Yesterday, according to the Mayan calendar, it was supposed to be a wrap for us, supposed to be a wrap for the world, supposed to end. We survived. We made it. Unfortunately, some didn't, but we all, most of us made it. Most of us made it here today. We made it. We made it. We made it. We made it. Let's celebrate. All right, all right, crowd. You know, I heard enough of you today. Let's let's be real. We all knew we were going to make it, most of us. We all knew that this was not, you know, I mean, the world is not going to end no time soon. It may end for us. We never know when. But it means the world as a whole may, will not end no time soon. And I know a lot of people sold off a lot of possessions. And I wish, you know, I wish I could have took advantage of it. Probably could have got a cheap TV somewhere, some cheap clothes somewhere. You know, maybe some extra money, some people just giving the money away because they think the world is going to end. I mean, I could have profited off of this. And I'm sure a lot of people did profit off the possibility of the end of the world. I mean, are we that stupid? Are, are we that truly that stupid to believe that the world was going to end? Are we that dumb? Well, obviously, obviously, there are a lot of people who are that dumb. There are a lot of people who are that dumb. Dumb, I should say. They are that dumb. So, as far as I'm concerned, if you were one of those people who gave away your money, who started selling off their items, who stopped paying their bills, if you were one of those people, first of all, do something to restore your credit because credit is important. Secondly, um, you probably won't be able to get those things back. So I hope you can work that out. And I hope you didn't leave your jobs either, thinking that the world was over. I hope you didn't go on the job and start cussing people out and say, you know what, the world is ending. I can now cuss you out. I can tell you how I really feel about you. I hope none of you did that. I hope none of you did that. Because if you did, you've had a rude awakening this morning. And rude awakening yesterday as well. You went through the day and you realized that the world is still alive and well and kicking. And guess what? Guess what? Guess what? Now you have possibly bad credit. Guess what? Now you don't have a TV because you sold it. Now you don't have any clothes maybe because you sold them. You might not even have a car to drive because you uh, sold it. Your mortgage could be in foreclosure because you stopped paying your bills. I mean, all these things you may have done. And the reality is now, your life now is messed up on some level because you were that stupid, that stupid, that dumb, that crazy to realize that the world was not going to end. Please stop listening to these people who tell you that the world is going to end. Please stop. They're only going to get you in trouble. They're only going to mess your life up. They're only going to mess up your credit. They're only going to do all these things. Don't be dumb. Don't be stupid. Don't be ridiculous. Don't be asinine. Don't be that guy. 
who wakes up now in the morning and says, you know what, the world is still going, and I have nothing because I sold all my possessions. I have nothing because I stopped paying my bills. I have nothing because I was dumb enough to believe that the world was going to end. And thank God the world didn't end because there's some football that needs to be played these final two weeks of the season in the NFL. Thank God the world didn't end because Andrew Bynum is on his way back for the Philadelphia 76ers, my Christmas present. Thank God the world didn't end because you still got the NFL playoffs coming up in January, which should be very exciting to watch. Very exciting to watch. Thank God this world didn't end because the NBA season is exciting and you got a lot of great games to be played. Thank God the world didn't end because spring training will be coming up uh, early next year. Thank God the world didn't end because we still have a lot of great sports to talk about, a lot of great games to be played. Heck, if the world were to end, were to end, the Giants would go down as the last Super Bowl winner. The Giants would be the last team to win the Super Bowl, and as a lifelong Philadelphia Eagles fan, that would hurt. That would hurt. That would truly hurt. But it's been a great 2012, and 2012 is winding down. Life goes oh so fast now. I mean, they always say the older you get, the faster life goes, and life is going so fast. It is going oh so fast. And before you know it, the world will end at some point. But life is just going so fast, and the world, the year is about to come to a close. A lot of great sports this year, a lot of great sports to talk about, a lot of great guests this year in 2012, a lot of great guests in 2012, a lot of great sports. I mean, we talked a lot of sports, and we had a lot of fun doing it in 2012. 2013, another great year, hopefully for all of us. I expect to have a great year in 2013. I hope you guys expect to have a great year in 2013 and beyond, 2014, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, and 20. I hope everybody expects to have a great year next year. Because it's upon us, baby. It's only what? We're talking December 22nd. We only have what? We only have what? Eight days left? Nine days? To the end of the end of this year. Not the world. Not the world, you big dummies who are out there who thought the world was going to end, who stopped paying your bills. Not the world, you big dummies who didn't pay your mortgage, now you're in foreclosure. You big dummy because you gave away all your stuff. Not that. Don't be that stupid. Don't be that naive. Don't be that dumb. And there was a lot of dumb people out here, unfortunately, who were taken advantage of because they were that stupid to believe that the world was going to end. I want to thank Willie Rove, the great Willie Rove, Hall of Famer Willie Rove, for stopping by. Make sure you check his website out as he has a big event coming up at the end of January, Super Bowl weekend, in New Orleans, RofeHunterSuperLounge.com. RofeHunterSuperLounge.com. Make sure you check it out and follow his big event on Twitter at B-B-E underscore SuperLounge. Follow him there on Twitter. Also, I want to thank Chris Harris, 
for stopping by the Denver Broncos. Follow him on Twitter at Chris Harris Jr. And also go to his website, ChrisHarrisJr.com, and support some of the great things he has going on. You can listen to this show and other great shows at blogtalkradio.com slash pgant, where you can listen to this show and other great shows. Follow us on Twitter at GoForGant. And again, blogtalkradio.com slash pgant, where you can listen to this show and other great shows. For everybody here at GoFor, we hope you have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. See you later. Take care.